Hi everyone, my name is Nika Aftab and welcome to The Only in the Room, the podcast where we explore stories of some incredible humans that have felt like an only in a room full of people. Despite all of that, they decided to transform their experiences and leave a greater impact on the world. Remember, the only is not just a feeling, it's a movement. On today's episode, we delve into the life of Logan Blanton. A lifelong learner and a good friend of mine, he's no stranger to peaks and valleys, both on his adventures around the world or throughout the good and bad times in his life. He tells us about why he started Inertia, a company focused on teaching people how to move, have self-control over their bodies, and how to cultivate mindfulness and proper nutrition. He's dedicated to creating positive habits and guiding people to live their best lives. All right, well, we have officially started. How exciting. Sweet. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so first thing first, I'm going to have you say your name, first and last name. If you want to spell it, that'll be helpful. Yep, my name is Logan Blanton. L-O-G-A-N-B-L-A-N-T-O-N. Nice to meet you, Logan. (laughs) (laughs) Good to meet you in this realm. Um, Amazing. So (laughs) I am sending you, it's essentially how my book is going to be broken down into, they're not necessarily chapters, but sections. And so something that's always resonated with me is the fact that I feel like I live in a dichotomy, you know, the Mm -hmm. and factor of like being able to have like this and that versus this or that mindset. And so I was like, why not just make this, take this to my advantage and like, you know, you can't have success without some shame. You can't have purpose without some pain. And, and that's kind of how I go through each of these. Um, so essentially what I'm asking is out of these one, two, three, four, five, the top five, which five would you say resonate mm-hmm. with you most or your story about what you're about to share? Which one out of the top five? Yeah. There's, this is the last one, like a separate thing. The, yeah. That's going to be kind of like the, okay. yeah, that's going to be like essentially the last section. And I think it's going to be a lot more positive focus. Oh, this is, ah, this is hard. And I'm going to ask this question again at the end of the, the recording. Yeah. So just to see if your answer changes, but once again, I'd pick one. First off, I love this, by the way, (laughs) I'm going to go with, there's two like crossing words that resonate with me as of recently, but I think I'm going to go, I know I need to go with shame and success. Yeah. All right. Well, so hold tight to that. We're going to come back to it, but I I love it. I love the theme. I think that's the one that resonates with me most. And once again, you were the first person that I thought of like when I started this journey in the first place, because I feel like (laughs) you understand, right? You understand me and, um, I, that, I like light that. bulb moment. <laughs> Literally, it was a light bulb. <laughs> we were at dinner, right? <laughs> yeah, or that like lack of a light bulb. I guess. It was. It was a this lack. Would be like of... the new, the new thing. 
Absolutely. Burnt out light bulb above our head. <laughs> exactly. And um, so that's why I'm super excited that I'm doing this with you. And I'm really, I just also think you have an incredible story. And I, you have just done so many cool, amazing things and you're about to do so many things. And so I'm excited for this. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Okay. So let's get started with the questions. The first question is, what is your name and where are you mm -hmm. from? And then why were you given this name? So my name is, like I said, Logan Blanton. I actually have very recently been going by my full name, Logan McCray Blanton, mm -hmm. like publicly. Um, and there's a little story, side story with that. But anyway, I'm from Orlando, Florida. And I was given the name Logan because my my mom was in an old like country store that my grandmother owned. And there was this little boy named Robert Logan that was getting in trouble. Um, his middle name was Logan. So the mom shouted Robert Logan. And then that's where my name came from. I love it. <laughs> I, I love that it was a, <laughs> like a bad moment. A kid too. getting she in was, trouble. Yeah, yeah, a kid getting yeah. in trouble. Wait, what was the like, side that was story? Moment, like, oh. <laughs> What's the side story about McRae? McRae, uh, McRae is, it was my grandmother's maiden name. It's my father's middle name. It's the only name I truly care, like family name I truly care about, like passing on to one of my kids that I hopefully have one day. Um, it's comes from like my origins, like my family, which is Scottish heritage. But I, I, for me, it just like resonates with, there's this like, I don't know, this like line of like very strong women in my family. Mm -hmm. um, and on my dad's side, I'd never, I never met his mom, but his dad passed away when he was at a young age. And so he was raised by his mom. Um, and so I don't know, just something about like keeping, like having the McRae being something that's like part of like my, which is silly, but like, cause there's, we don't know most people's middle names, but to make it something more public for me, just feels appropriate. Yeah. And it makes you stand out too, right? I don't know. I don't personally know any other McRae's and um, having it all yeah. together. I think that it makes you stand out truly. Yeah. And I started doing it oddly enough, the government made me do it because like anytime <laughs> I apply for credit cards or like documents or whatever, they think my last name is McRae Blanton uh -huh. or, or it's like the it second like name dash. for me. And so like anytime I do it, yeah, any, anytime I have to do it, there's no dot dash, but anytime I have to do like a document, I have to include both or it doesn't get accepted. They, they like return it and say that my identity isn't accurate, <laughs> which is weird, oh but that like, yeah, anyway. The more you adult, the more you, you solidify your personality. I feel like that's, it's pretty like <laughs> the correlation is strong there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Amazing. All right. Awesome. So where do you consider home to be for you? That, that's okay. It's a complicated question for me. I'm obviously from Florida and I grew up there. All of my people, my humans um, are there in terms of family. And so that I, that's always going to be home for me. I don't know that that's where I feel the most at home, but that, that is my home. Mm -hmm. But where do you feel most at home? That's what I'm still trying to kind of find that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very much, I have I have found it like within myself um, as of recent. But North Carolina, oddly enough, was a place that I connected to. Um, I went there growing up. I spent every pretty much every summer there um, until like my high school years. Well, no, yeah, middle school, high school, I shifted and went to Canada instead. But 
I spent my summers there with my grandparents and then I had, <laughs> no had a idea. lot of caveats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I spent every summer, like my childhood growing up, going to North Carolina with my grandparents and then my sister and my cousins. And then in middle school, like right in the middle school cusp, they ended up getting this cottage in, in Canada that I went to. Um, but there's just something about a, a feeling that I get in North Carolina that just resonates with me as like home or just comfort essentially and that's that's what i was alluding to like, that's what i found like recently within my myself mm-hmm. do you think you'd, you'd go back and like raise a family there or i don't know i i know i wouldn't i don't have any true desire to go back to florida but if it were a different story and my family were in north carolina i would i would heavily consider moving there um yeah and so maybe one day i never like to say never um i live in seattle washington now so and i love it here um but i don't have i don't have these like strong pools to anywhere right now mm-hmm. hmm. i understand that i mean as a traveler right we find home in all these like little places and i don't know parts of my soul light up in different places but i've never felt fully complete anywhere um, and I wonder why that is, yeah. but I feel like that resonates with a lot of individuals, at least like, like us. Yeah, for sure. So the next question is, we were talking about home. What was your childhood like? Oh, that's a good question. And I think that kind of links into why North Carolina probably feels so much like at, at home to me, because when I think back, I think there's a like quintessential question or not question, but like moment where people tell you like close your eyes and go to the place where you feel the most at peace mm-hmm. and that that for me is north carolina and that also like glaringly stands out as like what my childhood was like in the sense that we went we would go up there a lot but it was just kind of like the the place that i know my family felt the most at peace and it became this like i don't know this building block for like I don't, going deeper in our lives. So the, if I could choose one word, my childhood was very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but also open in a way where there was a, a lot, my, like my parents and even within my family is very um, big on like becoming like self-driven and independent and like those sort of things which is, was incredible. Um, but it also like caused in a good way, but also in a a lot of challenging ways, like some like self navigation, essentially, like trying to navigate through, through things like independently. Um, but ultimately it it was very supportive and very, um, like family oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up, it was, it was a smaller town in Florida called St. Cloud that I grew up in. Um, which was great because I got to meet like some truly just like incredible, like genuine people. Um, it was a smaller conservative town. So I like grew up very much like involved in that culture or like that American Christian culture, um, which we've, we've talked about, um, which had its ups and downs. And I don't know how deep we want to go with all, all this, but, um, I would say that it, it was a very like introspective childhood for me because there was a lot of like 
outside stuff that I, I was like hearing and like reflecting against myself, um, like within the culture that I grew up in. And then within the family culture that I grew up in, it was very, um, like I said, it was supportive in the sense that like we would go to like a church service, for example, and then come back and like discuss what was talked about, but like in an open kind of like discussion format, which is, which is really interesting. And my parents never pushed me to go into like religion. They never pushed me to go into any particular sport or anything like that. They just kind of like, I don't know how they did it, but they like instilled this, like um, this independence in, in us, but also this like fear of disappointment. Like we didn't want to disappoint them, my sister and I. Um, and so we use that as kind of like our moral like compass with things. So they never like forced us into things, but we, we were definitely kind of, I don't know, trying to like live up to our best selves. Um, and then we also did like, there's a lot of, the one thing my parents did value, which reflects a lot of my life now is just travel and experience and, and then people as well. Um, so we would always like go on a family trip every year. Um, and we would always go on trips for like holidays and like that sort of thing. Um, and then like people ultimately too, like, my dad is like the biggest believer in like the, the underdog story and like knowing that the people that we expect the least from have the most to teach us sort of thing. Um, and then my mom growing up, it's funny because when you become an adult, you kind of reflect on all the things that like worked and all the things that didn't. Obviously I'm talking about the good stuff now, but um, <laughs> w one thing my mom definitely, like my mom did that was very helpful was she like had me, my made me and my sister. The one thing she did make us do was volunteer. Um, and so, and she always made us go to each other's like events. And so like to, today, like my sister is my best friend. Um, and we were always, that's why I go back to that word supportive because regardless of what happened, regardless of like what we believed or what we thought or like whatever, we always were, like had, had to be there and wanted to be there to like, support each other mm -hmm. um which is really cool no and i love that i love that your parents I, I am curious to know a little bit more about what you meant when you said they did not force you into anything but they that expectation was still there um was it more so you placed it on yourself yeah. so you wouldn't want to let them down or that's yeah that's an interesting question i think that there is this expectation. Um, I don't remember anything ever being blatantly said about like, we, I like expect you to be this way or like you're going to compose yourself in this way. I think they somehow expected us to be the best version of ourselves and knew when we weren't living up to that. And then that's when this, this like pressure came on. So it wasn't so much like a, we expect you to get straight A's or we expect you to like do this sport or whatever. But if we, they knew when we weren't applying ourselves or being ourselves like fully ultimately um, in the things that we did. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, then that's when things like they would kind of call us out ultimately. And I think that, so now in today's world, um, that's probably what has led my sister and I to like, to pursue things in the way we have. And then in my life, it's also caused me to like, <laughs> not rebel, but have this like rebellious <laughs> sort of like 
spirit and making sure that I'm the one that's like, like pursuing things. Yeah. Well, ultimately. talk more about this rebellious or, spirit. Yeah, it's, I'm still learning a lot about it. Um, it is, um, I have this, this internal chatter about making sure that I'm doing things because I want to do them rather than feeling like I, I need to, mm -hmm. because I think that was one thing, one of like the challenges of my childhood is because there, there, there was a lot of like feeling like I needed to do things. And I don't know precisely where that stems from um, or like how that got developed in my personality. But if I go into like, I had this like happy childhood um, and then like when things get awkward in middle school and like in high school, I saw myself transition into this person that like needed to do things to like, like win people's approval ultimately. Um, and I lived like that for a really long time up until I moved, basically I moved away um, to PT school in Scotland. I was 20, I was 21 at the time when I moved away. Um, and that's when things shifted for me. And I realized I didn't have to like be this person that everybody expected of me. So I, there's, a multitude of kind of like events that occurred at the same time um, around like this, like developing your ego middle school era. And then that transformed me into this person that like I had the disease to please. And I was like such a people pleaser. And just like, I, I took everybody else's like um, opinions before mine ultimately. Um, and that's what mattered a lot. And so as I got into my adulthood or my 20s, I really started noticing this tension that I had, this underlying tension of rebellion, of like needing to make sure I was doing things because I wanted to do them, not because other people expected me to, because I didn't live like that for so long. Um, and so that went into this like, this almost like cynical rebellion of like being so opposed to societal norms and culture and everything that you think think the opposite kind of thing which has been incredibly helpful in a lot of ways and it's freed me of a lot of things but it's also for a season of my life i went through this like like cynicism with it like because i went so far into like trying to avoid doing things because people expected them of me um that it created this like cynicism ultimately yeah um yeah. I remember we've talked about like the notion of being in a box, right? Or like those labels and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a bit more of like that side, right? Where you're like, why do we need labels for all of this? Where we could just be coexisting with multiple, those ands we were talking about, right? Uh, but what I find most yeah. fascinating though, is that I feel like we have a very similar way of how we are, how we carried ourselves, but we have completely opposite childhoods. So that's why I find like yeah. I, talking to you, I resonate so much with you, but I'm like, where does it stem from? Like, what, what do you think? Like, where do you think it stems from? Or like these aspects of our personalities? Like, where do you, I know that's like way too deep of a question. Um, and there might not be right one yeah. right answer, but what about, what do you think? There's yeah, a multitude of things came, came to mind ultimately. I remember in the fifth grade, I won this contest. It was called Dreamers and Doers. And as part of it, 
Do you know? Have no, you heard of it? I love it. <laughs> it's this like it's like a Disney. It used to be this like Disney contest You're in Florida, <laughs> and they. Yeah, I was in Florida. It was a statewide thing, and like all the all the elementary schools or whatever would put up their like their candidate or whatever for this for this contest. And I won it for my school. Um, I was in fifth grade. I remember. I remember the moment like sitting on my parent like the couch that I grew up on, like writing this essay for like for this dreamers and doers contest and it came down to like however many finalists and i remember writing that essay and it being like it it being the very essence of this like brightness in me and this like this essence of like motivate self-motivation and like all all of that happening um at that moment like i, I look back on that and i'm like that that is like this inner kid logan that like it's energetic and stoked about the world. Um, and then it's funny because at that same age, this is, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, but at that same age is when I like distinctly remember like driving through North Carolina and like seeing leaves change. And like my parents, my parents showing us a world that was beyond like what we knew in that small town. Um, and then my grandparents lived in Japan for a little bit just before that time. And like, it was like, all of this was kind of happening at once where it was like, oh, like there's, there's other people in this world and there's other stories going on at the same time as mine. Um, but yeah, and so like when I look back on that time, that's what I think about in terms of like my childhood, like the epitome of like the, the goodness that I had from it. Um, I wrote this poetry book a year ago. It didn't get published, but the acknowledgement I wrote for the book, it didn't get published yet. yet. Um, yes, I was going to say the words anyway. are yet. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I I wrote an acknowledgement at the beginning of it um, to try to like manifest it ultimately. And the acknowledgement that I wrote was like dedicated to my parents. And then the line after I wrote for taking my sister and I to go see the leaves change. And so like that, that age or that moment built up to this like light that I've truly been looking for or just recently honestly found again. Um, because after that moment, that's like when things started to like spiral a little bit for me. And I think like middle, uh, awkward middle school times go into that in terms of like, I, I was very much the chubby kid in middle school and went through that light. And like, I was not, I was not that cool. I wanted to be really cool so badly. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't love myself. I wasn't like the like cute kid and then like I went through like all of these body image things um and that time too is when you're remind me I know there's a strand in this but like remind me what the question <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> and it's okay <laughs> I mean no, I no, no no keep going I'm I'm here to listen right like don't feel like <laughs> you need to okay. go back to the question I think the question I think I think the question was like why did I feel the need to like people please, oh no, or... no no i think we were talking oh i think like where did you think it stemmed from our our like this oh yeah, yeah yeah so sorry um yeah no no where yeah. did that stem from but i no please keep going <laughs> yeah um well that's kind of where i was getting at with it so i think where it stemmed like because i knew these connected ultimately um so i had all that i had this like light fun just like really fun like childhood and like aspirational childhood and then i went into middle school and had like a, just a lot of stuff happen ultimately um 
and I, I don't know how early on in this conversation we get getting the feels with it, but um, that's the time, obviously, like when a lot of people like are having like their bodies are changing, you're going through puberty, like all of that stuff's happening. And like you're discovering yourself and ultimately all of that. Um, and it was at that time that I had this event occur in my life where it was essentially like I was like sexually manipulated or sexually abused, which is still like a weird thing to call it or say like say out loud i even have a hard time like calling it like abuse or whatever but anyway it was like all of all of that showed me how at the time like shameful and dark and like challenging the world and life could be and so like all of like and i'm hearing all of this stuff from like the place around me right so like i'm hearing all like the conservative christian views i'm hearing all the like like sit like city opinions and and when you're in like a, a sexual manipulation um situation like that it's, it's really challenging because it's something that when you don't understand how your body's working and it's something that te like technically feels good but you also know it's wrong it, it provides a lot of like shame and questions and then that's at the time when like sexuality was not talked about and so it was like either you're one way or another um, and gay was thrown around as like a, um, insult all the time. And so like all of those things kind of like convolute your mind when, and this is a little asterisk when in reality, like looking back now, it's very normal and very healthy for somebody to go through this like explorative open, like phase as they're like coming to terms with their own like sexuality essentially. But anyway, so you put it, like, I had this like ultimate, like light situation. And this is probably going to be a theme throughout our conversation because my life has kind of happened like this. It's like I get to these like peaks where it's just like like so light, and then I go into these like deep valleys. Um, and for me, like that sexual encounter was like the first time anything obviously had happened like that for like in terms of sex. And so it really discom like discombobulated or convoluted like my approach towards my body. Um, so anyway, I went through this like very dark thing with it. And I think my life has just had these like series of like, like peaks and valleys, which has allowed me to open up to, I don't know, like kind of like the, the reality of like the seasons of life and how, like how things occur. And it's opened me up to like pursuing things that are like out of the, the cultural norm, because I think that we so badly want to, for our, our minds, group things into categories and group things into these like simplistic cookie cutter ways of being. And what I've come to learn is that like, that's just not the, the reality. And I think that's what puts us it's so nice that you kind of preface everything with like the or or the and or topic, yeah. because my mind, the and or yeah. And so like my mind for so long operated on like these extremes or these polars, whereas it's very much become like an and like relearning process for me that both things can happen. I think I mentioned to you recently, um, I do therapy once a week. I have been for the last couple of years. It's been amazing um, and has really allowed me to transform how my mind operates. But a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to him and I was mad about something that I can't even remember right now. It was just like something very silly. 
but then I also felt guilty for being mad because I should feel grateful. Um, and he was like, Logan, you can be angry and grateful. And like that (laughs) blew my mind. I was like, but those don't compute. Like my brain doesn't compute those. And it's, it's because I lived in these like extremes for so long. Oh my goodness. And that is exactly why I have those topics. Like my sections are dichotomies. They are those differences because you can have shame and be successful. Who says that you're not allowed to do that? But I don't know about, I mean, exactly how you just put it. My brain cannot comprehend having both. (laughs) Like, I feel like I shouldn't have any shame if I'm going to be successful. It's like, that's not realistic. We're human beings. It's going to stay with us, right? And like, but what do we do with it? Like, what do we do with that? Um, But first and foremost, thank you for, like, don't ever apologize about going on tangents or like, you know, just going. I want (laughs) to hear you speak, right? I'm here to listen to you speak. And um just even in the past, oh, this will be like <laughs> I know, hours. and and that's okay. We're gonna we're gonna just take it like as it goes, you know. Um, I do want to go back to something really quickly. I pulled out a pen and paper because I'm realizing that I can ask so many questions, but I'm like, all right, we gotta prioritize here. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you yeah. feel uncomfortable using the word manipulation or abuse, and I I, I find this I am asking mm-hmm. this question because. So, I mean, you know my background. I've been uh, sexually assaulted, like, you Mm -hmm. know, first time I've ever had sex, and that's pretty hard. Like, similar time areas, you know, things are going through your head. You don't know what you're doing, like, all of this, and then how you act about it afterwards, you know, isn't usually your character. It's the consequences of those actions that were done to you. Um, But I'm curious to know why you don't, you feel weird using those words. If you don't mind me asking. I don't. I, I think that the, I mean, there's a few things with it. I think that one of it, I mean, quite obviously is coming from like a, a man's perspective is it, for whatever reason, there's this like, I don't know that I want to call it a stigma, but like there's this different approach to it and in the sense of like the nature of like the thing that I went through was like these acts like were like done to myself sort of thing um and so I think ultimately and this is probably something every everybody goes through um is you blame yourself for the scenarios and I think that is true I think, side note, like one of the saddest things um, about this conversation is ever since I've started opening up about it, like realizing how many people have gone through this situation. Um, So, yeah, that's just a little side note. I think it it needs to be, and this this is a tangent on on its own, but I think that there needs to be more conversation about taking control and initiative of your own body, whatever that means at a younger age. Um, because I think it is, it's this like taboo thing of like, I mean, sexuality in general became such like this tap taboo thing. And I don't mean it in the sense of like gay, straight, bi, LGBTQ. Like I don't mean sexuality in that sense. I mean like self sexuality in terms of like understanding how your body operates, understanding like what 
that pleasure feeling is intended for and like and all of that i think that's the conversation that's just not had like hardly ever unfortunately um especially with those that are going through it which are like pubescent preteens and teens that are going through these confusing situations and they're kind of left to their own devices with their bodies and there's just no there's no good education with it um and so like for me yeah that, that's a little like side tangent but so for me it was it was things that ultimately felt very much like they should be in my control but it was so overwhelming that i they weren't and so i dealt with a lot of shame over my own body um honestly until very recently um because it felt like something that i i should have been able to like stop or control or like do something more about and so call, like giving it these titles for me strikes this chord within me of like self, definitely of like self-blame and yeah. and whatnot but then i can very objectively look at if there were a kid going through this scenario that wasn't me at that age knowing that they are not to blame and they they were trying to like figure yeah, themselves absolutely. out and i mean first and foremost you're 110 percent right like i we don't educate our kids well enough in that area at all it is all taboo right um but i know you've created mm -hmm. inertia yeah and that's a lot of a lot of the words you were saying mm -hmm. that tagline of like movement and like uh just understanding yourself that is a lot of your vision yes can you tell me more about like inertia yeah yeah ultimately i, I started it almost a year ago now inertia um at current it is my background is in physical therapy and so it started very much as being like a a service to teach people how to move and own and like control not yeah have self-control over their their bodies not in like a <laughs> i can't like yeah. not move like you know what i mean um that's that's how it started um and then i tagged in like mindfulness and nutrition and I, like that sort of thing my vision for it down the road is that I, I want it to become something that's way more overarching i love i love movement i love exercise and fitness and, and all of that but i think that there's there's more to it than that i think that there's more to it in like life and it's about building this like series of like habits and just ways of being that guide you like throughout life so whether that's into like life coaching or i would love like speaking or like kind of like allowing people's minds to like take a moment to expand but almost like revert to some stuff from like whether it's childhood or whatever to like relearn a lot of things without the shame that, that came with it when we were trying to learn yeah. it in the first place because i mean at the same I think that's the most amazing thing to me too, doing what I do is a lot. I do less teaching as much as I help people unlearn things. So they either learned a really bad movement pattern that I helped them with their like knee or their back or like whatever. And I have to teach them how to like reown that. And I have my own things that I work on consistently day to day. Um, but I think that there's a lot of like thought processes and patterns that are so apparent that people have that they need that they not don't need to technically but that they could unlearn and like expand from and like that's what i ultimately want to target and where they 
like meshes they're just so mm -hmm. cohesive there's a lot about there's a lot about my own body that is still tied into this like very like, tension we i mean we've talked about the body keeps the score and how like different traumas can affect how your your body is presented in the world um and there's a lot about my own body that i'm still getting like comfortable with um and it goes for yeah, everybody absolutely and first and foremost, I love, I just need to point out unlearn to relearn is I want that branded on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like, my, that's, yeah. that's like, I need shirts, Logan. <laughs> We're going to need to start repping this. Um, <laughs> I just, just want to say, I love, I love that. Um, but what I wanted to also point out was, so you said that you said it was very recently that your, the shift had happened for you? Like when can you tell me that the shift happened mm -hmm. and what caused the shift? Yeah, 1 million percent. So I, uh, we'll go a little bit of a story time to build it up. So I, um, like I said, middle school, I was, I was the chubby fat kid in high school. I was this, I started running cross country and track and I was the, the, the really scrawny skinny dude. Um, and then I started like a transition. If you would have told me like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that I was going to be in a gym, like training people, I would have told you, you were like absolutely <laughs> nuts because I was so intimidated by the gym. I was just so, but a lot of it came down to like, I was also just very disgusted by my own body. And obviously it started in a very like sexual kind of like way. Um, but it transferred into just like, my physicality and like how I, my appearance was, um, and like all of those things. Um, so anyway, fast forward, I had a lot of just like body image issues, a lot of body, like, like just, I don't want to call functions a weird word, but like functional issues. Um, in the sense that like, I just didn't know what I was capable of on a functional level. Like I do a lot of like functional movement stuff with my, my clients and I just didn't really, I didn't know what my body was capable of. Um, and there's just a lot that I just wasn't in tune with ultimately. Anyway, fast forward. Um, I have gotten really into just like, as you know, travel and hiking and all sorts of things. And even though I, like I ran cross country and track in high school, I didn't really tr truly appreciate like how much my body was capable of until I started like doing the, like travel and doing um, like some of the fitness things, but more so like the outdoor, like the hiking and like climbing mountains and trekking in Nepal. And like, I, I started to gain this like appreciation of what my body was capable of. And that grew throughout like my early to mid twenties. Um, and then that, that was definitely kind of like the, the fire that ignited for me um, in terms of appreciating my body. And then in terms of like where things really started to transition was I, I was in multiple relationships. Not the same time. <laughs> I was in a series of relationships. I appreciate the <laughs> um, clarification. <and> <laughs> they, kept, yeah, they kept getting to this, the same spot. Um, in terms of like ultimately leading into this space of like intimacy, intimacy with me and the woman I was in a relationship at the time. Um, and I, I just, I didn't know what the, what 
this is what it was called. But as soon as we got to that space, I totally like dissociated and went into this like fight or flight mode. And would, that's when I backed out and became this like avoidant person in a relationship and just like wanted it to end. So I would like entertain these relationships up until the point until they started to get more intimate. And then I would just immediately dissociate. Um, and more recently, like within probably, you know, it was at the, toward the end of 2020, mid to end 2020, I started dating this girl and it was getting to that space. And ultimately it was somebody that I, I truly thought I could like see a future with. And it, again, went to that space and I ended up going to a Halloween party with her and some of her roommates. Um, and I went to Whole Foods and got four hard seltzers thinking I was being this like responsible person. Long story short, at the end of the third seltzer, realized that they're like 14 or 15%, which is absurd. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like, what have I done? Totally like, yeah, had far too much to drink. Don't remember much after that. Um, and long story short, I told her roommate, like all of my childhood traumas, um, which up to that point, I had told nobody. Like I didn't, my family didn't know anything at the time. I had told none of my friends. I was like, this is just something I'm going to go to the grave with. And like, maybe if I find a successful partner or marriage or whatever one day, then I will be able to share this like side of myself with them. But until then, I'm just going to keep it all, keep it all inside. So anyway, told her and then that, that really <laughs> gave me the acknowledgement that I needed to, to talk to somebody about this. And so then I started the therapy process after that. Um, and again, that was about two years ago now. And it was kind of like the conglomeration of seeing what my body was capable of on like a functional scale, like being able to do really cool stuff in my life. And then having this new gained appreciation for like myself as like a sexual being and sexuality and like that sort of thing, because up until that point, it was just so just shrouded in, in shame. And so I, I didn't have access to it outside of this like shame factor. And this is why ultimately I told chose the first line is because I just had so much shame that had built up over the years that I had to like get rid of. Um, and that's what has allowed me to like ultimately have this like very much appreciation on the best days, love for my body and like this human like form that I have been able to take on. Um, it's a challenge ultimately day to day. But it has had windows of like really, really like true like appreciation and gratitude and love yeah. and have you tried to pursue things. a relationship since? <laughs> <laughs> um yes and no. <laughs> I was just gonna say I will sum it up by saying like I am open to it now. Ladies, you hear um, that? He's single. It was it was challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bro broadcast it somewhere. It was challenging in the initiation of it because I for so long just wanted to be like, I kind of held myself back from truly just being like mm -hmm. emotionally, more so emotionally intimate with, with a significant other, like truly, truly emotionally intimate. And so I wanted that more than anything. So when I like, I felt like this whole like world opened up to me once I did really start like feeling self-love. And so initially it was more like I was, I was grasping at straws just trying to find somebody that would like, <laughs> that would listen to me. Um, not yeah. that I'm like presenting myself initially, but um, I just so badly wanted that person in my life that I 
am now at a place where it's like I realize who I am and what I want practically and logistically out of life on top of the emotional intimacy of things. And so now I'm in a place where they're like combining and I'm open to it, but no, <laughs> that person has not been found. I'm sure. I'm sure there's, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there for everyone, right? I tell myself that every morning. <laughs> um, I just, going back, oh, though, yeah. I, I first and once again, resonate so much with that disassociation in relationships. And uh, honestly, like I personally have mm -hmm. like a fear of intimacy because it was in those vulnerable, mm -hmm. intimate settings where I was almost taken advantage of, right? Or I didn't have that control. So it's so scary to re-enter that, especially when you care so much about that person. Mm -hmm. um, and then second, that like, like relieving, not relieving, revealing all of those childhood traumas to someone you like, you don't really know <laughs> or care about. Have I done that so many times? Yes. I think it's easier to do it to people you don't know or care yeah. about because you know that they're not going to judge you. You don't care if they judge you. Um, why is it that we can't yeah. open up like this to the people that we care so much about, right? We're, I don't know about you, but I'm afraid that I'm going to get rejected or seen it's... differently or um, all of that, right? But it goes back to your point too. Yep. The, more, yeah. and the more I've started talking about, like, the whole fact that I'm doing all this, right? Like with my book and like talking to you, um, the more I've opened up about it, the more people are like, yeah, I've been there too. <laughs> like, can I tell you more? Here's a safe space to talk about it, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. So I, I very much resonate a lot with like what you just shared and like what you're talking about. But I think that something that I just really like want to bring home is what you said, how like how much of the world opened up to you as you started to love yourself. And I absolutely adore that. Like, I'm pretty sure I told you that yesterday, like when I was talking. Um, and so I just, yeah. it's amazing how much love there is out there and how much good there is out there and how much good we can bring to the world, despite all the, the bad that might've happened to us. Yeah. It's so, so, I mean, I love having this conversation because it does remind me of like, all of the progress that has occurred. Cause I, I think that's the thing. And maybe I'm saying this to the ether, but if somebody hears this one day that like to just like, it's very challenging when you're in the midst of it to realize how much progress that you have made, but to truly like take a, a step back and like, look at like where you are compared to like where you work is. Yeah. It's, we need to remind ourselves cool. more often. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, so I want to switch gears for a little bit. Um, I did ask you, I have, I gave you homework. It was yeah. three songs that resonate with you most. And then I want you to tell me why those three. So can you yes. tell me those? Okay. I've thought about this. I've taken this <laughs> to heart, but I, I have okay. an honorable mention is what it kind of came down to. Um, anyway, the three songs. My number one for me is Promise by Ben Howard. That is for, since I've heard it has been like my, my realigning, like refocus mm -hmm. song. Um, it's, it's like, I don't even necessarily understand the lyrics. It's so simple. There's hard, there's like a paragraph worth of, worth of lyrics, but it, it, there's, there's something about it that resonates with me and it holds me in this space of just like, being um being like a constant essentially in, in someone's life 
And I think that, yeah. So for me, it like, it reminds me of like, not only the constant within my life, but like the constant that I hope to hold in some, like in somebody else's life one day as well, in terms of like being that like rock or like that, that person for somebody. Um, it took me a very, very, very long time and actively still doing it now to become that person for myself. And that's ultimately like what I feel like I'm, I've been working on to be that for somebody else. And so like that song has always like, I don't know, there's something about like the whole setup. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, the second one I'm going to do that's number one, two and three are of no particular order and they're very different. Um, the second one is the one that puts, always puts me in a good mood. It's dancing in the moonlight by top loader. It's like, it's not the original version. It's like the, the remake of the original version. It's, it's the song more than anyone that like immediately puts me in a good mood, in, like in a good space. Um, it's just fun. And then the third one is actually a, a recent one. Um, the Mumford and Sons has always been my favorite band. Um, that's, and they are my honorable mention. And the reason being, because I, I tried so hard to narrow down a Mumford and Sons song that like, was my absolute favorite and I have like five. It's just that. Um, anyway, so Mumford and Sons is my honorable mention. Yeah, just all of them. But the song in particular, so Marcus Mumford came out with a, a solo album recently. Um, and his, the first song in the album is Cannibal. And it was like the first single from the album. Um, and I heard it like when it first came out, I obviously, I love Marcus Mumford in general. And then heard that song and like I, I probably listened to it like five or ten times and I was like this is it like this song like it's it's preaching to me right now but I don't know why and then I found this article I think it was in the Rolling Stones it might have been DQ one of those two um I came across about what what the song was about and it was about him going through like a sexual abuse case as a kid and like like basically that whole process is how it's, it's impacted his life. And one of like, this goes into the shame, but like one of the most shameful things that I've put on myself, not only like did that act happen, but I shamed myself for allowing it to impact me as much as it has mm -hmm. through my life. Um, and so anyway, Cannibal, once I heard that, like what it was about, it like, it blew my mind because it really like made me obviously understand the lyrics like fully. And then it also allowed me to understand like why I resonated with the whole album in general. And then it's fun, <laughs> fun, but like it's interesting now to go back and listen to a lot of the Mumford and Sons songs because that's been my favorite band since I kind of found them. Um, and there's so much energy in it. And this is like a whole nother side conversation, but there's so much energy in it that I just like resonated with me. I believe music can do that for everybody. But anyway. Yeah, so like I, it made me understand a lot of why it resonated with me throughout my life without even knowing mm -hmm. the stories behind and it. Ultimately. First and foremost, I think it's so brave that he he like launched that right. He put it out in the world. He put his music out in the world. Um, oh yeah. But I think it just shows the power of like if you're vulnerable, you don't know who you're going to impact, right? Um, and like. Oh, yeah. I just I have goosebumps right now thinking about that album. It's so fantastic, um, but I, wow! I mean, and, and the other choices yeah. too. They were fantastic too. Promise is such a great song, and I love Dancing in the Moonlight. The newer version is absolutely fire. So, um, <laughs> but oh I, my I god, appreciate the choices. Yeah, 
Those are awesome. And I definitely agree that music and vibrations in general do speak to the soul. So um, I love your choices. So, okay. So we have about nine minutes left. I wanted to rapid fire some questions. um, But the first question I wanted to ask you, and the title of my book is called The Only in the Room. So can you tell me, have you ever felt alone in a room full of people? Mm -hmm. Can you tell me like times where this has happened? If you want to bring up specific examples, why do you think that this happens? Yeah, I have like my easy answer or is that for a long time, relationship was like just hard for me um and so the easiest example is to look at all of the occasions where i was like the only like single guy in the room um and amongst other people in relationships and just kind of like doing my thing and then the kind of more in-depth answer is that i have from an early age and we haven't even gotten into like writing is like been my my life's passion and it's what i want to do and it's what i i use the vast majority of my creative energy for and and travel has become such a big thing too and so those two things have become um because they're such passions of mine they have also become challenges because they both come with a lot of sacrifices so like with writing it's a very solitary art you're doing it on your own. So not only are you literally, quite literally the only in the room of like the room by yourself, but when you have these kind of like side aspirations, you go into this like normal quote unquote world or this culture where it's like, it just doesn't match up with what everyone else seems to be doing. Um, and I'm, I'm not naive to think that there's not other writers out there, but when you, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just like the side like aspiration. Um, it's a niche. You're in a niche. Yeah. yeah. And same with travel is like, no, I I understand. So for me, like my perspective, I I felt more alone in a room because of the experiences that I've gone through, Um, you know, feeling like I look around, I mean, obviously visibly, I felt often the only like little brown girl in a room. Um, And I think a lot of it Mm -hmm. also came from the fact that like, I've gone through certain experiences that I, I look around and I assume people haven't been right and then it's not until you start having those conversations that you're like oh i relate or like oh i've been through a partially like part of this i kind of understand so kind of what advice would you have for someone who is trying to feel like less alone yeah and this kind of goes into where the the world opens up because i mean that opened up a whole nother door for me in the sense that i because of the culture that I grew up in and because probably the time that I grew up in as well. Um, I just didn't match what masculinity looked like, um, in the culture that I grew up in, like in this like conservative Southern South, like small town. Um, and so there were a lot of things that I really enjoyed that I would get ridiculed from. And a lot of it was like things that had to do with like emotion and story and feeling like for me that always, encompass like what my writing was but and and the backdrop of that kind of that culture that brought on a lot of like projections of not only like my sexuality but like why was i like why was i even into the, those things in general anyway as this like this man or this boy um 
And so that made me feel very isolated for a really long time because I just didn't grow up in a culture where that track was supported or even that, that thought process was supported in terms of being emotional and like in tune with other people's emotions. Um, but what that led to and like as my life has progressed and like as I've gotten to meet the people I've gotten to meet and like have these incredible, incredible experiences is that once you do just like stay solely true to yourself, the world truly does like open up and expand. And that's when like these people are going to drop into your life and you're going to put out your best energy. And you've already mentioned I'm a big energy guy, but like when you put out your best energy, you receive like the best energy back. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. And so that's what, that's my advice to those that feel like the only in the room is the truth is sometimes you are going to be the only in the room, but a lot of times you're the only in the room because there's no other energy that truly like matches yours. And that's okay. Cause you're going to find them. Wow. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, okay. So this is a fun question. If you were yeah. a breakfast food, which food would you choose and why? Oh my God. Ah, uh, yeah. I, uh, ooh, this is a good analogy. Okay. I'm going to go with the omelet thing. I, I eat omelets all the time. And so like, that's truly, there's part of me saying avocado toast, but yeah, the omelet thing, I eat omelets all the time. And I'm going to say that like on the outside, it's just a bunch of eggs, but on the, it has to be goat cheese though. Cause I don't do lactose, but on the inside, there's just a bunch of good <laughs> stuff with goat cheese you got to cut it open and like go through it to truly find out like what <laughs> what's in what's in this omelet so on the outside i'm like this i'm just very like i'm just a white dude but it comes yeah, with a lot of I love it. a lot of story <laughs> that was an absolute perfect <laughs> analogy i i can 100 percent see it um and then last question is what advice would you give to your younger self Oh my God, this is something I like, I need to give my current <laughs> self advice. It could be yourself um, an hour ago. It doesn't have to, I never said how young, I mean, preferably much yeah. younger. But... There's a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One is don't, don't ever apologize or feel ashamed for exploring and enjoying that like exploration. Um, which resonates with so many aspects and parts of my life. Um, yeah, so that's that. And then the other, like kind of the caveat advice would be to just don't, don't stop the pursuit. Don't stop the pursuit. Love it. That's probably the advice for <laughs> my like, career. It's like 20 minutes self. ago. It's like, go do, be productive after this. <laughs> like, like <laughs> like like ten minutes from now, self is like don't stop the pursuit. But to my to, to my young to my younger self, it is like the never ever never stops. For, <laughs> the grind never stops. First born. But you do you take you got to take no. care of yourself. Movement <laughs> is key. In the words of Logan McRae, like, oh my god, yeah, movement is key. <laughs> never stop. Never moving. stop moving. So, <laughs> so going back to moving. the first question, do you still feel that the the section that resonates with you most is shame and success. Yeah, <laughs> I should have pulled up. it up for you. Uh, I do. I, I have caveats <laughs> for everything I'm going to say. That's just how I, I roll. 
but I, I fully do. I fully do that feel like that that was the appropriate one because I think that I, I have, and again, it's a daily battle, but I feel like I have found success and success for me is like appreciating this, like this person, this human that I've become. Um, the second one, my little caveat is I was going to choose guilt and gratitude, but it ultimately goes to shame and success because success for me has been gratitude is the word that stuck out. Success for me has been truly finding like unconditional gratitude for myself and my life. And it's just this whole existence and experience that I get to I love it. do as Logan. Um, I was also going for like an alliteration thing. So like the S's and the A's. So that was the only reason I paired those certain things. That's the only reason. Uh, I didn't but you are right. I would, I would have changed it up a little bit, but I wanted to keep those, you know, S's and A's and all that. <laughs> no, um, I like Amazing. I like so it. is there anything else you want to say? We got like, like a minute left. Any last thoughts? No, but congrats. I'm so stoked for you uh, in this process. <laughs> and getting it going. You. Thank you so much for joining me. You're thank doing you for it. Being willing and being the first person to inspire me to even just go forward with it. So um, I'm glad that it, it's only fitting that you're my first interview. Oh, I'm like. <laughs> I honestly am honored to. Have well, one to have met you, and two that you're including me in this project. Thanks, <laughs> Very sweet. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. stop recording now. I'm gonna stop recording, but we Thanks, don't have to Anika. leave yet. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Only in the Room. If you like what you listen to, give us a follow on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. The handle is at t h e o n l y i n t h e R-O-O-M. If you want to connect with Logan, you can find him on Instagram at L-O-G-A-N-M-B-L-A-N-T-O-N. That's Logan M. Blanton. I hope you have a wonderful day and we hope to see you on our next episode.